welcome to this episode of Anabaptist Perspectives. I'm here with Stephen Russell. Uh, you've spent a lot of time studying church history. You teach that here mm-hmm. at Faith Builders. That's where we are right now in one of your classrooms. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to dive into a topic that's maybe, I don't know if you could say a lightning rod, but very misunderstood and there's a lot of controversy around. Um, we did another episode with David Berceau on this, but that is the Apocrypha. Okay. And um, we, especially since you've studied a lot of history, can you go into to more of what is the Apocrypha and when was it written and just some of the content? Uh, mm-hmm. Give us a backdrop for this. Okay. Uh, the Old Testament ends about 420 B.C., Mm-hmm. And that's with the prophet Malachi. Well, there is a way you, you, John the Baptist is also seen as an Old Testament prophet. So in a way you could say he's a continuation. Okay. But anyway, between him and Malachi, there's 400 silent years. And the Jewish people were extremely aware of this. And they mm. knew that they didn't have a prophet, mm-hmm. but they knew they should. And so they were expecting the prophet that Deuteronomy talks about, that I think Jesus was. Mm-hmm. They were expecting the Messiah. But they were, ex- they were very aware they didn't know um, all that they ought to. During that, that 400 years of, si- they call it the 400 silent years, mm-hmm. where there's not a real God, uh, prophet of God. Mm-hmm. And um, during that time, there are Jewish writings that were done. Mm-hmm. And it's actually because of these writings that we know that they yearned so deeply for to hear God's voice mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. These these apocryphal um, uh, books don't claim to be God's word, but uh, for instance, in uh, in uh, Maccabees, we know that they uh, it talks about how when they recaptured the. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the temple and rededicated it. They weren't sure exactly what to do. They were they were yearning for God's word, mm-hmm. and so for instance, the altar in front of the temple had been desecrated by mm-hmm. the pagans. They had uh, killed a pig on it or sacrificed a pig, but it had also been used to sacrifice to Yahweh. So they didn't know what to do. So they decided to take those stones, store them in a side room, and wait until the prophet wow. comes who will tell us until God starts talking to us again. So the 400, the Apocrypha is written by Jews during that 400 years, mm-hmm. yearning for the a voice of God again, mm-hmm. but not claiming, this did not claim to be the voice of God. Um, and so it's very historically mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. It tells us about those years. And it also helps us understand what the change from uh, Old Testament Judaism and then knew the second temple Judaism, the, the Judaism after mm. they came back from the exile. We mm-hmm. have a little picture of that in the Old Testament, but that develops a bit differently than the, than the original mm-hmm. uh, temple Judaism. And that, that uh, second temple Judaism is yearning for this prophet and for the Messiah. And, mm. and these uh, apocryphal writings help us see how that was developing mm-hmm. the, and setting the stage for the coming of Jesus. And so these are recognized as historically accurate pieces of le- legitimate history. Uh, some guess. of them are. Some of them are. Some of them feel more like what we Christians would call, you know, um, Christian uh, novels and things like that. Okay. So, not, so some of it uh, is very clearly historical and mm-hmm. telling us very important things about how the people were thinking. Well, even the novel part was. So there's a mm-hmm. story about somebody named Tobit. Um, at least an awful lot of us think that this is simply a story, you know. Maybe a parable or something. Yeah, something or, more yeah. along that line. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. No, I don't. 
a lot of people anyway don't think it has, it's what happened historically. There's mm -hmm. also a story uh, called Judith, and it doesn't seem to fit the historical facts we know. Mm -hmm. So um, I would say parts of it are mm -hmm. Jews expressing their yearnings in a story, but not necessarily recording history. But others, other parts mm -hmm. are definitely recording history. So when did these pieces of literature enter the canon, uh, the canon of scripture, and whose particular interpretation of the canon did they enter? Okay, well this is interesting. The church, the early church wrestled for years about what is the canon of the New mm -hmm. Testament, and because the books were being written. I mean, the, mm -hmm. uh, the first book uh, is probably Galatians and or James, and mm -hmm. they probably date to about AD 48. The church has already been going for about yeah. 20 years, a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the church uh, it knows the gospel and is preaching the gospel, but it's only starting to write things down around in the 40s. And the gospels are probably started around the same time. Um, and, and so in different parts, we actually have different churches listing the books they have in the New Testament. They all are solid about the gospels and Paul's letters. It's the, the few books after that where there's a little mm. bit of disagreement, a little bit of question. So it takes the first time we actually have the exact list that we use in the New Testament is, is 367 when Athanasius, the bishop of Alexandria in mm -hmm. Egypt, sends a letter out to his uh, pastors in their churches to tell them when Easter, Easter is a, a changing mm -hmm. date uh, or a changing festival. So one of the jobs of the bishop was to tell them Easter will be this Sunday on mm -hmm. uh, this year. But he would also tell them other things. And so in that letter, it's the first time we have exactly the books we use in the New Testament. Plus, he also names the books we use in the Old Testament. So 367 oh. is the first time we have that. It's also repeated in, a, in the West in Carthage in a council, mm -hmm. church council at 393. Wait, so, so we're, we're talking like... I mean, several hundred years, and we don't have, as far as we know, at least, we don't have a record of the list of books that was well, used. We, but, but don't misunderstand me. The, sure. The core and the vast majority, everyone agrees on. Sure. And I think sure. there's a reason. I don't know who, who, who gathered together the Gospels, but apparently they were gathered together very early. And there's a legend mm -hmm. that says Onesimus gathered together oh. Paul's letters. And it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Because why sure. else is Philemon in... Paul's letters. This is what gave Philemon, this Philemon sure. is the letter that gave Onesimus freedom. He becomes a bishop and it, and so the legend says he, he brought these mm -hmm. uh, books together. So the early church, there's no argument about mm -hmm. Paul's letters and about the Gospels mm -hmm. and the book of Acts. So it's the ones that come after that there's a little bit of question. <laughs> and, and, and you can imagine um, there are going to be areas that are far away from where Hebrews was written, and mm -hmm. so they're less likely to have it. We think it was written in Italy, near Rome. Mm -hmm. And then we think um, Revelation was written in Asia, or what we call Turkey today. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's kind of natural that, that it may be that uh, those letters don't get to the far other end of, the, of, yeah. the, of, Euro mm -hmm. of Europe at, uh, in time mm -hmm. for them to show up in some other lists. But the core is extremely clear and the vast majority is extremely mm -hmm. clear. It's, it's the letters that come after Paul's letters that, where you get a little bit of question. Mm -hmm. uh, and a good bit of question, but we finally get it uh, definitively stated 
in 367 or in 393 in the western mm -hmm. part of the church. And, and like I said, when um, Athanasius says what belongs, what, what should be read in the church from the New Testament, mm -hmm. he also names the same New Te Old Testament that we use now. Wait, as in the same? The, uh, the, the Hebrew one. The the, one okay, we use, okay, okay, gotcha. Sure. Now, now, in Egypt of all places, they also had, that is where most of these apocryphal books seem to have been collected and used. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so you actually do have a continuing use of those books among many, many Christian churches. Mm -hmm. And so even though Athanasius says he names the books that are in the Hebrew Bible, mm -hmm. somehow that was never def as definitive. And so, mm. in the, so the churches that used the Apocrypha are, let's say after uh, 500, basically all Christians were using them. And uh, it wasn't until the Reformation that they, that they got questioned. See, so now you, okay, so let me just make sure I'm understanding this correctly. So the Apocrypha was being used yes. up until, like, for quite a long period of time, a thousand years or so. But they did recognize that there's a difference. So, for instance, okay. there was an old Latin Bible. We don't know who translated it. In fact, it was probably translated by many people. And it mm -hmm. wasn't very... Um, the translation quality wasn't so good. Mm -hmm. So a, a bishop of Rome named uh, Damasus, I think in the 380s, commissioned Jerome, who was mm -hmm. very good at Latin, to um, translate the Bible into good Latin. Mm -hmm. And he went to uh, Bethlehem and he did it there. Hmm. And he asked the rabbis for the books and they didn't have the apocryphal books. So he wrote back to Damasus and said, he doesn't want to do the apocryphal books, but Damasus wrote back and said, do them anyway. Um, hmm. So he did, but they, there was a kind of a recognition that these are perhaps not quite as important. And in fact, even today, the Catholics call them deuterocanonical. We call them apocrypha, which means hidden. Mm -hmm. They call them deuterocanonical, which means the second and therefore lesser canon. And they're less likely to use them, especially if they're writing something they want even non-Catholics mm. to read, they're less likely to use them for that. So mm -hmm. there's a recognition, mm -hmm. of, uh, at least among Catholics, that they mm -hmm. have a, a, a lesser status. And that was, that was always kind of suspected, I think, at least by many mm -hmm. Christians through the ages. The Anabaptists, when the, when the uh, Reformation came, the Protestants put the Apocrypha in between the Old Testament and the New. So they said there's something worth reading here, mm -hmm. but they didn't think it was Scripture. The Anabaptists, this is a new thing, and the Anabaptists tended to use it. And there, you can, um, if, you, if you want to, you can uh, find, um, I think it's in the Mennonite Encyclopedia, there's a, maybe I shouldn't say that, I can't quite remember where I found this, mm -hmm. but there's a list of how many times Menno quoted, and then it lists all the apocryphal books, Menno, Marpeck, um, it lists a whole huh. bunch of uh, early Anabaptists, Mm -hmm. And they really liked, there's, a, there's an apocryphal book called The Wisdom of Solomon. They mm -hmm. liked that. But even more than that, they liked uh, a book called Ecclesiasticus, not Ecclesiastes, but Ecclesiasticus. Mm -hmm. Or nowadays we tend to call it Ben Sirach mm. or Sirach. They really liked that book. Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting to go look at how they quoted these books. And they, they I don't know that they quoted all of them. I can't remember right now. But they, they did not necessarily fall in line immediately with 
what the uh, Protestants mm-hmm. were doing. But over time, we tended to start using the Luther Bible. And so we're going to start to shift away. Historically, this is what mm-hmm. happened. We shift away from what the early Anabaptists did, and we saw the, the difference that was in the Luther Bible. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so as we stopped using the Froschauer Bible, started using the Luther Bible, um, I, I imagine that, I don't know for sure, I haven't looked this mm-hmm. up, but I think that's when we would have started questioning how much we should use the mm-hmm. Apocrypha. Mm-hmm. An interesting little tidbit, the Apocrypha was always published with the Old and New Testament, usually mm-hmm. in between, by Protestants, until the American Bible Society got the idea in the very early 1800s that if we cut that out, we can we can uh, print more Bibles if all we have is the <laughs> Old Testament and the New. And that's where, I think that's where it all started, that the Apocrypha was taken out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, all the way through, you can find some Protestant Bibles that have mm-hmm. it. Uh, and nowadays, there's more interest, uh, and so you do find a few mm-hmm. more that have that actually have the Apocrypha in it. And like the Orthodox, for example, well, we still, we'll still have that as well. Catholics and Orthodox early on used mm-hmm. it, and they continue to use it. And then um, you're going to find some variety perhaps with Anglicans, but I think by and large, it's the Catholics and the mm-hmm. Orthodox that you that still use it. That's really interesting. I like the, that that historical backdrop. I think is going to be very helpful. So, so then, if these apocryphal books aren't in the Jewish Old Testament, the Jewish Bible, um, did, did the Jews ever treat them as canonical, or or no? It doesn't look like it. Um, okay. It, you know, a lot of things we have to uh, read. What's available. And, and there's just a lot missing that was undoubtedly, there was a lot more written. Well, mm-hmm. it, it seems to be that uh, the, the Jewish Bible was canonized in three parts. And so it's probably the Torah, first of all, so the first five books, mm-hmm. and then the prophets. And there's a, a part called the prophets. And then there's a part that the Jews call the writings. And it looks like that was the last part done. Mm-hmm. And it was probably definitively accepted as canon just around the time of the Lord, uh, maybe mm-hmm. before, maybe after. These are, this is somewhat speculative. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, we know now that, that some of these apocryphal books were originally written in Hebrew. There are some pieces in the Qumran uh, scrolls. There are mm-hmm. pieces of some of the apocryphal books in mm-hmm. Hebrew. Uh, there are, uh, the one that I mentioned that was called Sirach or Ecclesiasticus, mm-hmm. it has a, um, prologue where the grandson died. I think it's the grandson says my grandfather wrote this in Hebrew and I'm translating it into Greek so that the Jews who live in Egypt who use Greek mm. can understand it mm-hmm. and that's why we think that this was kind of put together well mm. it's pretty clearly put together in Egypt because the Egyptian Jews were using mm-hmm. Greek which was the language of the upper class people in, mm-hmm. in Egypt at the time and so um, some of them were originally written in Hebrew, along with the other mm-hmm. Hebrew biblical texts. Uh, they were put together as a Greek Bible that the Egyptian Jews could use. So I'm not even saying that the Egyptians, I think the Egyptians were a little bit unsure. They, mm-hmm. they, they had all this literature, which is mm-hmm. biblical, which is not. That's a different thing. You know, one thing that we have to remember is that the Jews never put their Bible together between two covers. So if you go to a synagogue, you're going to have um, the Torah, and you're going to have other scrolls. 
Now, I'm not saying they don't have books that actually do have the Bible, sure. but this isn't the original way they did it, not way back then. Mm -hmm. So you, what you ended up having was a collection of scrolls, and that's a little bit ambiguous. Mm -hmm. If you have all these books and you're reading them, uh, until they've actually made it hard and fast which ones are scripture and which ones aren't. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think the Jews in Egypt were not always sure how they looked at uh, the books that are um, that we would now call the Apocrypha. Mm -hmm. uh, and for us Christians, it's the same thing. The, 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 they were never collected between two covers until about the middle 300s uh, or the earlier middle 300s. Mm -hmm. and, and before that, each church's deacon would have a collection of books. Mm -hmm. So he would have Paul's letters in a, in a collection, he'd have the Gospels in a collection, and then he might have the others just kind of is individual books, and he would, but mm -hmm. there was no one Bible uh, up until, um, I don't know if the date is 330 or somewhere around there, mm -hmm. you get the first Bible, it's huge. And it's, it's not something mm -hmm. an individual owns, it's for a church, it's to mm -hmm. have in the church, mm -hmm. but because they did it by hand, and so, it's yeah. it's much bigger than what uh, what a printed Bible is going to be. Sure, sure. But that that not having in between two covers is one of the reasons there's there's all this question. Mm -hmm. So which of these books really fit? Which ones don't? Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, what was what was Luther's treatment of these books then? You mentioned that earlier, but can you go into that a bit? He didn't believe that they were scripture, and okay. that in the Catholic and the Orthodox Bible, they're scattered through the <laughs> books. Mm -hmm. So he, he collected them and put them aside, but mostly to, as good reading, you know, as, as reading that could in, mm -hmm. encourage us. Uh, and, and that's valid. I think that's, that's uh, worthwhile. Mm -hmm. But this was his judgment. But then he also judged that the book of James should not be in, in the New Testament. And I think he also wished not to have the book of Revelation. So, um, interesting. So, that, just add that to, to say, you know, his judgment isn't always what mine would mm -hmm. be. But mm -hmm. I do think that the Apocrypha, I, I like what Athanasius said, that these, these are the books, and he included exactly the list we have. Mm -hmm. and, um, and the rest of them are informative, historically mm -hmm. informative. They help us understand uh, what was happening in those silent years. And that's good, mm -hmm. but I, I don't, well, and they even have a, uh, at least one or two aspects of them. In one, in one of the books of Maccabees, I can't remember which one, um, the Jewish army suffers a defeat and they find out that the men who died all were wearing a amulet around their uh, necks mm -hmm. with a little idol on it. And mm -hmm. so they pray for they say prayers for the dead to, help, mm -hmm. to hopefully to take away the sin. And that would fit with prayers for the dead, which some churches do, but I don't think that's really fits either the Old Testament or the New Testament. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like in a limbo. It's one little, yeah, yeah it's one little piece. Mm -hmm. there, there, there may be a few other little pieces, um, but historically they help us understand what was going yeah. on. That's the mm -hmm. important thing. So how, how did the Council of Trent fit into all of this as mm -hmm. far as the public view of these? Well, most of the Protestants agreed with Luther that mm -hmm. uh, the Hebrew Old Testament is the Old Testament, the Greek New Testament is the New Testament, and all that other stuff the is the Apocrypha, mm -hmm. not Scripture. This had never been, the, the Old Testament part had never been decided by a council, mm -hmm. and so um, the Council of Trent was held during the Reformation, and what they did was they organized 
the Catholic thinking about how they will, what they believe and how they live. They mm -hmm. really didn't change their belief. So they, they said these are canonical. I don't know for sure if they gave them that secondary level, uh, mm -hmm. if they called them Deutero. I don't know if that's when that started or not. Mm -hmm. But they did say these are part of God's word to us. So uh, by and large at the Council of Trent, they continued to do what they were doing, though they tried to get abuses out. So for instance, they still did, hmm. they still did indulgences, but they didn't sell them anymore. And, and things like that. Mm, so mm. the Catholics had been using the Deuterocanonical books or the Apocrypha. They continued to. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you give to our audience then when it comes to the Apocrypha? Should we read this? Shouldn't we? How should we view them? I would say that we ought to see them as historically important and helping us to understand um, what happened in those 400 silent years and how God moved his people continue to move his people to be the, at the place where they could accept mm. the Messiah because Second Temple Judaism is very different than First Temple Judaism. Mm -hmm. That's the Old Testament Judaism. And, and it's getting them ready, it's getting them expectant that the Messiah is coming. And we get to see that happening in the Apocrypha. So I think it's good to help us there. Mm. Uh, but, I, but I think all indications would point to the, the standard Old Testament and New Testament as the ones that are mm. God's word. It's a judgment call, mm -hmm. um, and so you have differences of opinion, but um, I don't see anything in the Apocrypha that spiritually helps us that's not also available in the other. And there are a few stories, like Tobit, that really um, seem to miss the point spiritually mm. for us. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I would say um, read it to understand our history. Uh, how things developed. And there even, you know, I do want to say this, that Ecclesiasticus and the Wisdom of Solomon do have some very interesting and good advice, just like Christian literature does. So sure. I, look at it, mm -hmm. I look at it as the Jewish literature that wasn't sacred, and just like we have Christian literature that's not sacred, it can help us. Mm -hmm. And so there, I'm not saying there's nothing there that can help mm -hmm. us spiritually. There is, mm -hmm. but I don't see it um, having, it doesn't feel like it's it's, what God was using to develop his people, to bring the salvation through Abraham's family that he promises mm -hmm. us at the beginning of, uh, soon after the beginning of Genesis. And so that would be my call on it. Uh, mm -hmm. And once again, I, I, I have to admit, it's a, it's a personal call, um, but, but I, I think that what most of us have mm -hmm. decided about the Apocrypha mm -hmm. is, is correct. This has been really good. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. For more information about Anabaptist Perspectives, to read our blog, to donate, and to see videos of the conversations you hear on this podcast, visit anabaptistperspectives.org. We'd love to hear from our audience, so leave your feedback in the comments for this podcast or send us a message through our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Anabaptist Perspectives.
Thank you for joining us for this episode. We invite you to join our monthly partner program. Monthly partners are key to the financial sustainability of Anabaptist Perspectives. Partners also gain access to bonus content, including our exclusive podcast where we respond to audience questions and comments. Sign up at anabaptistperspectives.org.